Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick again in the uh, in the anchor chair, so to speak. But we're uh, we're inaugurating a, a a new thing today on Hardline. I'm uh, I'm joined by a celebrity guest host. Yes, I <laughs> consider Peter Savage a celebrity. Peter is the chair of the Erie County Legislature. Of course, I'm a, a Republican member of the legislature. Uh, Peter is a Democrat. We both share the town of Tonawanda, and he is some of Buffalo, and I have the city of Tonawanda and uh, and Grand Island. Anyway, Peter, welcome to the program. Let me ask you: Is this uh, this new job of yours, the chair of the Erie County Legislature? Is it? Are, are, are you having fun yet? It's kind of like herding cats, isn't it? How, how could you not have fun getting <laughs> to spend? quality time with you on a weekly yeah, basis. Yeah, right. I, 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 I know that. But, uh, you know, I do notice a few gray hairs. I remember when Obama became president, how youthful he was. And, you know, after after only a couple years, he started getting the gray and he ended up very gray. I mean, I, are, are, is this aging you? We're all aging. Look, there's something in the law known as assumption of the risk. I spent a lot of time in law school as, studying as, that principle. I knew what we were getting as, into. As, as you can tell, Peter is also a, a, a lawyer. He also, I, I, I love Peter because he, he is the king of obscure 80s <laughs> movie references. Now, now, how did you develop that talent? Well, I uh, had the great fortune. My father owned a movie theater for probably 16 years of my life. So while other kids were out running around in the backyard, I was in I was in movie halls. So so you know you know every line of Ghostbusters by heart. I know that for a fact cuz I've heard you heard you recite the dialogue. You know, someone else who knows every line of Ghostbusters and 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 especially the Chevy Chase movies, Fletch is a, a former student of mine, uh, Mac Mariani. Mac has has gone on. He's one of the ones that, that got away from Buffalo, but he's now doing well in the Cincinnati area. He is the political science department Chair of Xavier University, and he joins us now by phone. Mac, welcome, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. Yeah, listen. Uh, uh, by the way, extra credit for your own obscure movie references during this whole segment. Uh, uh, l- l- listen, you're in Cincinnati now. Uh, you're still a Bills fan, right? I absolutely am, and I was thrilled to see that the Sabres got the number one pick too. So very- that, that too, and hey, and we're 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 down good with the uh, Bengals. In fact, there is a preseason game coming up here that we're going to be playing them, and I know they'll get a big ovation given the fact that they helped us get into the playoffs. You had to be proud of that. It was finally the Bengals did something that I could be proud. Of. <laughs> hey, um, uh, one more thing, one more preliminary before we get into the uh, the discussion here. Uh, you uh, you recently came out of competitive eating retirement, and you reclaimed uh, one of your titles there at Xavier. I did. I am the reigning chicken wing eating champion at uh, Xavier. Although I'm slowing down in my old age, the last time I absolutely crushed the competition. They gave 27 wings in three minutes, and uh, this time I was uh, much, much slower, but, I, but I, I did hold on to the title. So it was inferior competition. Well, I hope that the, the Wing King, Drew Serza, is listening and will invite you to our Wing Fest next year, you know, promote it and, and all that. By, by the way, an hour from now in studio, we're going to have the Erie County Clerk, a, a former classmate of yours. Actually, I think he was a, a year ahead of you, 
uh, Mickey Kearns, or a year behind you, Mickey Kearns. Uh, any fond memories of Mickey? Could you, do, do you believe that he's Erie County clerk now? Oh, I, I'm not surprised at all. You know, he knew how to work a room even back then. He was, he's a great, uh, a great politician, but he's also a, great, a, a good man. And I think that's the, you know, you think back to college and you think about the people who kind of struck you as somebody who had a, a, a good moral compass. He was liked, likable, and caring and thoughtful. I mean, he really was, a, really was a good guy. I didn't know Mickey well. I was in a couple classes with him. Um, and you know what they say, those who can do and those who can't teach. Uh, and, and so you're teaching. Well, let's, let's get down to that. Let's uh, put this political science degree of yours to, uh, uh, to, to work. Um, Peter and I have a few questions for you. Um, you know, you're, you're, again, you're, uh, you're a political science professor. You're a full professor now. You're chair of the department at Xavier University. Um, if you were asked to grade Donald Trump so far in, in his accomplishments, uh, what, what grade would you give him? You know, I think it, it, it's tough because he's such an unconventional sort of person. I think the, um, you know, the the challenge I think is that Trump, you know, grading Trump kind of misses the point, right? He's 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 going to be president for four to eight years, uh, possibly twelve if you believe what his critics say about him. Instead of grading him, we I think we ought to see this as a unique opportunity to 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 grade ourselves. To test, you know, he's a test of American political institutions under extreme stress. And if you think about it that way, I think we aren't doing so hot. Um, you know, you can give Trump bad grades in certain areas. I think, you know, his, his biggest problem is he doesn't know what the experts know. But that's also his biggest strength because a lot of what the experts think they know isn't, isn't so. So, you know, you look at uh, the people who said, oh, you can't win Michigan, you can't win Pennsylvania, you can't win Wisconsin. He ignored them and, and, and obviously uh, used that to, to win election. Uh, all the experts said it's a huge mistake to escalate things with North Korea. It's going to lead to nuclear war. In fact, it looks like it's moving us in the opposite direction. Uh, the experts said, oh, you can't bomb Syria. We cannot escalate with Russia here. And, you know, he did, and, and, and not much came of it. So, you know, the experts often often are wrong, including all the experts, including myself, who said he had no chance of winning the election. So I think, uh, you know, thinking about congressional leadership, congressional leadership of both parties are have been absolutely horrible over the last, well, for, for a long time. And I think the challenge that we have is we're looking at Trump as, oh, is he the cause of our problems in, the, in our political system? And I think he's actually the symptom to our problems. You don't get him without massive distrust in the political establishment. Yeah, you don't get Trump without massive distrust in the media, in the Republican Party, in the Democratic Party. And instead of being thoughtful about why did we get Trump, We've kind of just focused on Trumps for over the last two years, and I think that's really prevented the Republican Party and the Democratic Party to take, uh, from taking a serious look at why did people elect a guy who is, on paper, <laughs> the, about the worst possible candidate you could put up, given his propensity to say offensive things, um, his kind of shady record of business deals and bankruptcies, yet he beat a huge Republican field. He beat the... Um, the Hillary Clinton, who was considered, you know, unbeatable, unstoppable. She's got enormous wealth advantages. She's got enormous name ID, enormous expertise. Um, how, how did this happen? And nobody's really dealt with that yet. And so we could grade Trump all we want, but at the end of the day, Trump's going to be gone, and we're going to be left with this, this political system that produced we're, Trump. We're, we're, we're talking this morning, if you're just tuning in, to a former student of mine. He's now the uh, political science department chair of Xavier University, Mac Mariani. My co-host, uh, Peter Savage, has a question, Mac. Mac, first let me ask you, 
you know, you're obviously a very thoughtful guy. How were you able to overcome all that tutelage you received <laughs> under, from our current co-host today to, to get to where you are today? Uh, it was actually quite an inspiration. I spent about 15 years in politics and, um, and um, having seen uh, Kevin and the path that he took, I realized it could be done. I also realized that a person who was uh, at least on the right um, ostensibly could be um, – um, could actually have a place in academia and, could, and could find their way, which was uh, um, it's good to have role models. All right, that wasn't the question I was <laughs> I was thinking Peter would ask you. Uh, he is the temporary co-host here, by the way. Uh, but listen, uh, um, uh, just just so people know, I mean, you did you did after you graduated from Canisius, you didn't go right to being chair of Xavier University uh, Political Science Department. You did have stops along the way. You were, I think, it was press secretary for Bill Paxson, wasn't it? And then you went on to do some work for the Monroe County, the Rochester area county legislature. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, and it's interesting, you know. I, and I really enjoyed my time with Bill, and Bill was was a, a great person to work with. But I think Congress is an institution. Um, when you work in Congress and then you go to local government, one of the things that I think is interesting is within two hours of sitting in a meeting with the County Executive Jack Doyle um, and watching him make decisions, I saw more decisions being made on, on things that mattered to local government and mattered to people on the uh, in the real world. Uh, than I saw Congress do in four years. And, uh, that, that, that's a neat observation, and I think Peter and I would agree with you. We can oftentimes be a lot more decisive because we have to be in local government than than national government. Now, I think Peter has a serious question for you. <laughs> so, look, speaking as a Democrat, no nobody would disagree that you know the president during his campaign was able to uh, strike a nerve um, with what a lot of people were feeling in, in this country. Um, but hearing your kind of evaluation of his presidency, um, how would you how would you discern the fact that that we're pre- that he's perpetuating kind of that that rhetoric, that fear, that concern, that anger that is playing through uh, through Middle America, feeling right th- right here locally, uh, not necessarily with specific policies, but seems to be perpetuating the same type of emotion, uh, almost from a political strategy, many in my party would say. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably reading too much into Trump. I, I'm not I, in the sense that I, I like, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking that Trump is, you know, he's, well, I mean, I kind of go back and forth on this myself. That Trump is either, you know, the most brilliant political mind of our time, or he's like Mr. Magoo, right? He just kind of goes through the world, barely sees anything, but seems to just kind of, land on his feet no matter no, no matter what what seems to happen i mean he gets away with things that no no other politician seems to get away but why, why is that the case i mean no other no no one else in politics would be able to get away with not releasing tax returns not you know literally you know the daily liometer on on the trump you know fact versus fake news so to speak um constantly called the question on that but yet um you know his supporters um you, you know whether it's uh, you know perception or just his political savvy in terms of playing to to an audience, um, he doesn't appear to be held accountable to that. Partly because he he doesn't play he 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 realizes that the rules are made up. He realizes that the that the rules are um, the, the rules are imaginary. Um, you know, you you look at something. You know, most of what goes on in, in Washington these days is, is theater, and I think that Trump. 
um, one of the one of the strengths that he has as a candidate, um, maybe not as a president, but it, but certainly certainly as a politician, is to understand that most everything that's going on isn't real, and so therefore you don't have to act like it's real. And and the, to the extent that politicians, I mean, you look at this Ronnie Jackson. You know, we spent two weeks running this guy's career through the mud. This guy's Dr. Feelgood. He's handing out pills. He's he's getting in car wrecks. He's, you know, banging on people's doors uh, in drunken stupors in the middle of the night. And the Secret Service has to pull him out of there. And then, you know, you know, he withdraws his nomination. And, and now we find out, well, yeah, there's, there's really not anything that suggests that happened. I mean, maybe it did, but we really don't know it did. And to the extent that we think it did, it's just because someone said it happened. Mac, we have to. I, I would love to continue this conversation uh, in the, in the future. Maybe we can go back to the future sometime. There, that's the only '80s movie reference we get in. Although I will give you a half a point partial credit for the Mr. Magoo uh, comment. Uh, but well, but Mac, I know I, I, I know we're holding you up. I know that you're lecturing at, at church today. Uh, peace be with you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it was great talking to you, Mac. I I really appreciate it. So uh, pleasure. All right, take care. Uh, that was uh, Mac Mariani. Mac, a former Canisius College student of mine. Uh, he's now Xavier University Political Science Department Chair. We have to take a break now. Uh, uh, Peter uh, uh, Savage is my co-host today. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick sitting here with my co-host Peter Savage. Uh, Peter Savage. Chair of the Erie County Legislature, also king of the 80s movie references. Uh, as I said, I was a little bit disappointed with Mac Mariani, my former student, for not getting in more references, but he just tweeted out uh, saying that the segment was a futile and stupid gesture, which I'm sure uh, Peter gets and, uh, and a lot of my uh, other friends will get. Anyway, uh, we're joined now on the, uh, on the uh, WBN li- uh, line here. By the mayor of uh, by the mayor of Wilson, New York, uh, Mayor Arthur Lawson. Mayor, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good. Nice to go up there to Niagara County. Listen, you guys were uh, adversely affected by those floods that we read so much about last year. The Lake Ontario floods. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, we were. But there, there's a reason why we face these. We are given these kinds of challenges. And you know, one thing I, I want to put out there is that uh, for rural communities. Um, the village of Wilson is working on taking a leadership role in developing a business plan to work on rural tourism. So we uh, we have uh, Peter Pantuso, who will be coming to the village on May 8th. Peter Pantuso is the president and CEO of the American Bus Association, represents over 800 privately owned uh, bus companies, that represents 65% of the travel across of America. And he's also the director of the uh, Travel Industry Association of America. So it's a great honor for him to come out from Washington, D.C. to visit the village on May 8th. Mayor, this is Peter. Welcome welcome aboard today. Just uh, can you follow up on that and talk about, at the village level, how important tourism matters to local government economy? Well, I think, number one, tourism. Well, when you talk about small local rural governments, um, the money out there to to attract new business just isn't there. So if we focus on rural tourism, which is more of a uh, developing trend in the tourism industry, we focus on, focus on rural tourism, we get the visitors in a village, and we also what we end up doing is we also end up developing a uh, business plan that will also 
uh, allow us to build for our future and attract new, attract and gain new businesses. So, so this event that's coming up is it like open to the public or or can can our listeners get in on it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Uh, it's open to the public. Uh, there is there is a cost for the public, so it is open to the public uh, because we got we we got a limited space. So, um, you know, and a beautiful thing here about Wilson, we already got the assets in place. Can, well, we're we're within a minute. We have to take a break. Alan Harris is standing by the news at the bottom of the hour. Can you give us those details so if our listeners are interested, they can uh, they can uh, put it on their calendars? Uh, yes, it'd be on May eighth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be at the Wilson House. We have to have an RSVP by the second of May. Um, people can call me direct. My cell phone number is seven one six two zero eight forty five sixty eight. Is there a website that they can go on if they can't remember the phone number? Uh, no, there isn't. Okay. Uh, well, listen, Mayor, thank you for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. We have to go to break. As I said, Alan Harris is standing by in the uh, in the news booth with the uh, bottom of the hour news headlines. Uh, when we come back, Peter Savage will still be here, my co-host for today. We'll be joined by a couple of my former Canisius College students, uh, young professionals, and we'll answer the question, is Buffalo now the place for young professionals to be? All that when we come back. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Oh, this is this is like Back to the Future, is it? Is this Back to the Future? Passenger well, for us. Uh, let's pass <laughs> Kevin Hardwick here, Hardline. Uh, Peter Savage, my co-host today. Uh, in about half an hour, we'll be joined live in studio uh, by a couple of guests to talk about zombies, not the. You know, like like the apocalypse zombies, but the zombie homes. Uh, it'll be Erie County Clerk uh, Mickey uh, Mickey Kearns uh, and Executive Director of the Buffalo Erie Niagara Land Improvement Corporation, Jocelyn Gordon. Uh, for the time being, though, I've got a couple of students, but I, w- I have a question for uh, producer Joe, Joe Beamer. Uh, Joe, I just wanted to check. I know that uh, Virginia Tech uh, uh, drafted a couple of Hokies. You're the big Hokie guy here. You're wearing your Virginia Tech paraphernalia. Um, any truth to the rumor that uh, these two, until they get settled in Buffalo, will be staying with you? Hey, I can't confirm or deny rumors. All right. But all right. Uh, there well, is an invite we'll, at the Beamer We'll house. get our Cracker Jack news staff on that. I'm uh, joined in studio, joining Peter and myself in studio, a couple of former students, uh, Mark Roundtree, class of 2005 at Canisius College, and Olivia Hill, class of 2005. Welcome to you both. And I want to begin with Olivia, because, Olivia, you are the uh, you are the inspiration for this uh, segment, not, not so much you as your Facebook feed. I go on there. I go on there. And it's like every other day, it's, you're so effusive. Buffalo is the place to be. And there's another study that showed Buffalo has the best this or that for young people. Now, I know that, I know that part of this is your job. You're over there. Uh, you're a business development specialist at Invo- Invest Buffalo Niagara, which used to be the, the Buffalo Niagara Enterprise. Enterprise. Um, but, uh, how much of this is real? I mean, were you acting or do you really think this is a place to be? I'm absolutely not acting. I love Buffalo. I'm going to make a quick correction, too. I was actually a graduate of 2015. Dr. Harwick's trying to add 10 years on my what life. What did I say? 2005? 2005. What did I say for Mark? 2005. You were good. You got one right. Okay. 50, All right. 50%. 15. Yeah. Got it. Okay. But well, that's, no, that's par for the course, right, Peter? Go. But none of it's faking. Uh, I think 
what Invest Buffalo Niagara does really well is we prove that Buffalo is awesome and Western New York is awesome with the numbers. So we can talk anecdotally about the cool theaters and the great food, but it's also in the numbers. So we're talking about 35% less money for people to spend to live in Buffalo, cheaper cost of living, more millennials coming to the area. The numbers are there. They prove it. Mark, Mark you were, you're, you're much older, let me make that, than, than <laughs> Olivia. You graduated in 2005, she in 2015. When you were in my, say, my urban governing politics class, which she took 10 years later, um, Buffalo was still probably bottoming out, wasn't it? And, and since it's made a, you know, that we're in our resurgence, yes? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, like when we were graduating, there was kind of a, an assumption that you would have to move away to find a job in your career. And I, I think that's really changed. Uh, you know, around like uh, 2010-ish, uh, there seemed to be kind of a, a paradigm shift. And I, I think you know, a lot had to do with, uh, you know, Bass Pro, the, the silver bullet, uh, failing. And, you know, a- after that failure, I think there was a, a change uh, to, you know, develop incrementally. And I think that was a, a good change. That, that, that's, a, that's a good point. By the way, Mark, Mark, I'm not sure I mentioned earlier, is now with the Erie County Department of Planning and Economic Development, Planning and Envi- Environment and Planning. He's now a planner for Erie County. Uh, uh, Peter, my co-host, let me just just get you into the discussion. He mentions the Bass Pro thing. Of course, of course, you go way back. You have some of your roots in, in politics and everything in the Masiello administration. If I made the case that you know this 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 transition that uh, that Mark is talking about kind of was was started with the Masiello administration. I mean they. They did uh, eventually start to pull things together, some things that maybe didn't, you know, there was a time lag before they, they took effect. Would you argue that with me, or you you, you probably have a better perspective on this than I did, because you were right there in the city and right there in City Hall. Yeah, I had the fortune of working for both Mayor Massiello and Mayor Brown, <clears throat> excuse me, and the seeds were absolutely planted um, in terms of site acquisition, in terms of cleaning up the finances so that Buffalo can be more competitive. And then what you've seen over the last decade or so is as Buffalo has righted its own ship and as Buffalo has made strategic investments in infrastructure and had a strategic plan, the private sector then followed suit. Now what you're seeing is a synergy between the public sector and the private sector. Um, And, you know, to follow up on what Olivia was saying, right in the district I represent in North Buffalo – you look at Hurdle Avenue, where it was 10 years ago and even five years ago to where it is now, and that infill of strategic, organic investment at the small business and the micro-business level has really catapulted the property values in that community. Let, let, let me ask uh, my former students, Olivia Hill, Mark Roundtree, uh, what's, uh, things are going good. I mean, I think there is that, uh, I mean, we're like the Bills and the Sabres now. We had a good weekend, uh, and we're ready to build on that. What's left to be done, or what's not done? What are the biggest obstacles? I've stumped my students. Yeah. Just Do you want to take a first, Mark? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the, the big things that ha- has been done in the last couple of years, and it continues to need to be uh, addressed, is uh, some of the cleanup of the brownfield sites. I mean, if you look at some of the big economic development projects that have occurred, uh, like Tesla, uh, that would not have been possible if that site was still an industrial uh, wasteland that it used to be. And, you know, there, there's been a concerted effort by county, city, state, uh, county IDA to clean up these sites over the last 10 years. And, 
it's it's really positioned mm-hmm. us to uh, compete better. And you know, we at, at the county level, we're continuing this work at uh, the Bethlehem site. So. And I'll take a little bit more of a of a personality opinion, but. I think the people in Buffalo are feeling that resurgence and that revitalization happening, but I think we still need to work on that outside perspective. So when you go out of town and you tell people you're from Buffalo, what do we hear? Snow and chicken wings. And our job is really to change that narrative. So let's talk about great theater. Let's talk about Albright Knox. Let's talk about a winning football team. Let's have those things be the perception when we leave Buffalo. So I think something that we are really excited to work on at our organization, and I think Buffalo in general, we're starting to believe it, and so, we're trying to get other people. So, are you saying it. we need a new ad campaign, a new feeling proud, and, and put oh, it out there? I would love a new feeling proud. My actually, my late boss, Mike Bartlett, was part of the the feeling proud video years ago. So, I would love to redo something like that. We're, we're wow. talking about talking proud, right? Just talking proud. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I wasn't here for that. I, I came I here in '89. We are, we were already. I was feeling proud. But anyway, I, I, if you say you were talking proud, <laughs> listen, listen. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll give the next question of my guest to uh, Peter Savage, my co-host. We'll also invite some calls for you. Uh, Olivia Hill uh, of uh, Invest Buffalo Niagara and uh, Mark Roundtree of Erie County Planning will be here for another segment. And if you want to get on board, if you have a question, if you're a, if you're a millennial or you know a millennial and, and think that this is the place to be or not the place to be, give us a call. 803-0930 is the number. 803-0930. Peter uh, Savage is my co-host. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. Kevin Hardwick here. By the way, uh, uh, you, you got to go online someplace, find that petition for uh, producer Joe Beamer to get his own show. He deserves a show, just not this one. Uh, sharing the show with me this morning, my celebrity co-host. Yes, Peter Savage is a celebrity, the chairman of the Erie County Legislature. Uh, uh, Peter Savage, he has a... Uh, Question for my former students, Mark Roundtree of Erie County Planning, Olivia Hill of Invest Buffalo Niagara. Peter. Yeah. So, Olivia, just when you're talking about developing uh, the market for Buffalo and this new Buffalo, what are kind of the two or three factors that when you talk to businesses, when you talk to people who are relocating here, that are maybe most important on their mind? I think it really is dependent on the industry. So we work with targeted industries, which include advanced manufacturing, back office operations, and advanced business services, life sciences. So for each industry, it's going to be a little different. One is access to talent. We're finding that that's a huge issue for pretty much every industry. And with 21 colleges and universities in the Western New York area, Buffalo Niagara is a great location for a business who needs to fill their pipeline on a regular basis. So that's a big one. And again, that cost of living. When you have, when you're trying to attract talent, you want them to be able to afford a good lifestyle and pay them a good wage without breaking the bank in your business. So they really can do both here. So those are two big factors that we see when we talk to companies. Hey, uh, excellent question, excellent answer. You know, uh, uh, this is uh, this topic of, uh, you know, Buffalo and being the place to be for the millennials and, and young professionals has really hit a uh, hit a nerve with people because we've got a full bank of callers, and uh, we'll start to take some of those calls now. Let's go to John in Rochester. John, welcome back to the program. Hello, John. Hello, John. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna flux put capacitors on again. Uh, flux capacitor, I guess. We're gonna put John on hold, and we're gonna to go to Warren in Akron. Warren, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning. When I hear about this resurgence, I look at it from a little bit of a different perspective in regards to what New York State has done is they've taken state money, which is from taxpayers all over New York State, 
and they focused it like a laser beam into the city of Buffalo. And now what they're trying to do is they're trying to use the benefits from that small geographic area to tout its success, when in actuality, New York State continues to fail. They've got a $4.5 billion deficit. They They have the highest tax burden in the country. New Yorkers continue to flee the state year after year. We lost another 190,000 people last year of native New Yorkers. How do you take money from people all over, focus it into a small geographic area, and then use that small geographic area to tout your success? Warren, excellent, excellent question. I'm going to drop you, and uh, we'll go around the table and see what the answer is. Thank you for calling, Warren. Uh, you, you know, well, let me let me ask the question first. Uh, is it necessarily bad that we took money from all over New York State, especially where we get most of the money in New York State, which is New York City, and we spent it in Buffalo? Is that necessarily a bad thing? Well, I, what I what I would say back to Warren is, for decades, Buffalo, Erie County, West New York has gotten nowhere near its fair share of resources from the state of New York, and what what the Buffalo billion and what a lot of these investments are are getting Buffalo back to where it should have been for decades in terms of investment, and I think you're seeing real results. Mark? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, there, it comes back to some of the physical attributes. Uh, it, I think a lot of the investment uh, in Buffalo made sense in that, uh, particularly the Tesla thing, because the infrastructure was in place. Uh, you can't build a factory of that magnitude and not have the power supply at that level to uh, supply it. And I, I think the intent of that was to spur some uh, spin-off development in the general vicinity, which would also require that type of infrastructure. And just in, to close off this loop, I spent the last week traveling to every county in western New York, so all eight counties, in celebration of International Economic Development Week. And I can just say that we go to bat for all eight counties every day at our job. And it's not just Buffalo-centric, although we love the city. And we're seeing some exciting things happening, not just in Erie County, but in those rural, not-so-populated uh, not counties as well. And so we're excited, and, and we really believe that um, some of that money that's been put into the city you're going to see that overflow, and we already are in those other counties. Uh, Olivia Hill, as you were as you were sitting in my classes just a few years ago, um, did you at Canisius College? Did you ever? <laughs> I, I get credit for saying that every time. Did you ever think that you'd be spending time now celebrating International Economic Development Week? In my best because I know and that's big on my streams. calendar. Yes, no, it right. was, it's been awesome. Yeah, right, I'm sure. Listen, let's uh, let's uh, take another go at John in Rochester. John's been holding on. Uh, John, are you there? Yes, I am, Kevin. Yes, I am. Welcome back to the program, John. Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, I'm not a uh, millennial, but I am a bicentennial. So, <laughs> as am I. As am I. But Peter, you know, you're a 1980s uh, movie buff. Best movie of all time, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, so, yeah, so. <laughs> All right, John. This is, so far, this is deteriorating. Uh, do, you, do you have a, a, a question for our guests? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the economic resurgence had, had to do with low, record low interest rates, which was uh, great mm-hmm. development, uh, especially real estate development, all types of development. The other issue, too, is the tax credits and economic incentives and I take a position that uh, I think maybe we're ready to move on and eliminate some of these uh, uh, historical tax credits, uh, uh, some of the grants, some of the uh, 
other other grants that are given for development. Uh, because I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. There's a project now on Niagara Street that's being developed, a $17 million project, uh, low income. Uh, $10 million of it will be basically free money between tax credits and grants. That's that's uh, almost 60% of this project will be financed with free money pr- provided by the government, state and federal governments, and that comes out of our tax uh, tax coffers. And I'm just wondering to, for the yeah. guests, uh, do you think it's time you got enough momentum going to take away these uh, these so-called incentives because it's been a drain on our tax revenue? What's John, John, I think I get the gist of the question. We've got a hard break coming up in two and a half minutes. So let me let me go to Mark Roundtree, who when you talked about I was looking at him when you talked about dropping the historic tax credits. I think he was in cardiac arrest for a moment. Um, what, what about that? I mean, is it, is it, is, is it right to have so much of this money to give, give these developers so much money, so many credits? And, and let me ask you, maybe Peter Savage, does that actually come out of my pocket? It doesn't. It's money that they, they aren't going to make unless they succeed, right? Maybe let me go to Mark first. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, a lot of success in, uh, Buffalo particularly, uh, it could be attributed to those adaptive reuse policy and historic tax credits. I mean, you have buildings that have been sitting vacant for 20 to 30 years, and you know that, that that's a good case for government intervention, in my opinion. Uh, to you know, the, the market is not addressing that. Um, so that's Peter. Yeah, no, the aging infrastructure, the aging. Um, you know, the buildings, the historic buildings in Buffalo, although a jewel, also create huge challenges. Those credits are not coming out of your pocket per se, but what they do allow you to do, he's right on the on the low interest rates and in the, in the role of the private sector, but what the tax credits, whether it be the historic tax, cre- tax credits or the brownfield cleanup tax credits, what they allow you to do is leverage those for private financing that can put hard money into the project at the beginning of a project so that it can be funded and they get the credit at the end. We, we got a break for the news in one minute. Let me just ask one more question of my guest, uh, Olivia Mark. Uh, is there such a thing as too much success? Are we going to have too many millennials here? Uh, you, you know, and, and, and I mean, we are going to, we, we, we talk about problems that are created by success, like gentrification and, you know, pushing the poor around. Is, is that a concern for anybody? I, I don't think we're there yet. I think, we're still excited about attracting millennials, and I, I think with every good thing, there are growing pains. So we'll be sure to to deal with those as they come. But right now, we'll take as many expats and millennials as we can back to Buffalo. You'll, you'll love them. All right, li- listen, uh, we have to break now uh, because we're standing by with the news. But uh, co-host Peter Savage and I will be here. We're saying goodbye to Olivia Hill and Mark Roundtree, former students of mine. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 